welcome to Leveraging Leadership, where we unpack the art of business leadership. I'm your host, Emily Sander, C-suite executive turned leadership coach. Today, I wanted to talk through the top five leadership traits of Abraham Lincoln. And as a quick refresher, Abraham Lincoln was the 16th president of the United States. He held office during the American Civil War. And he's probably most well-known for keeping the Union intact and helping to free the slaves with the Emancipation Proclamation. If you're thinking about influential presidents and who had the most significant impact on the direction of the country, I would put Abraham Lincoln and George Washington as arguably the top two presidents who had that substantial impact. Abraham Lincoln is widely considered to be one of the great leaders of the 19th century. And he had this rare combination of personality traits and qualities that made him a great president, um, so much so that his legacy stands the test of time. We have monuments to him. People look at him today as someone to emulate as a great leader. So let's dive into some of those qualities and traits about what made him such an exceptional leader. So here are the most important five, in my opinion. The first one is he was humble and self-assured at the same time. And a great example of this is when he was running for president. Abraham Lincoln in the 1860 election was a nobody. He was a nobody in politics. He was like this backwater, one-term congressman from where? Illinois, baby? Okay. He was the compromise candidate. In comparison, all of his political rivals were these very well-known figures at the time. You had the likes of Salmon P. Chase, William Seward, and Edward Bates, all of whom had been around for a while. They had large constituents backing them. They were in the newspapers all the time, giving speeches, giving stump speeches all the time. Uh, And all three thought they were going to be the president. And if they weren't going to be the president, that one of the other three would be the president. No one thought Lincoln would win. When Lincoln did win the presidency, a lot of people thought he was going to take action against his rivals. And he might go, hey, you didn't treat me very well on the campaign trail. You were pretty belittling and dismissive of me, and you weren't very nice. And so I won, and you lost. And so I'm going to punish you for that and push you outside of the system and not give you any influence. Lincoln pretty much did the opposite. And in this great example of political genius, he said, instead of ostracizing you, I want to bring you into my administration as cabinet members. So why did Lincoln decide to do that? Lincoln decided to do that because these people were more experienced and they were more knowledgeable in a lot of different areas that he needed. What allowed Lincoln to do that? I believe it was because of his humility and also his self-assuredness. So he was able to say, I'm going to bring these larger-than-life figures who were actively, actively trying to plot against him and who spoke out against him and who thought that they could do a better job at president than him. So he was able to say, nope, I'm going to do what's best for the country. We're headed into a really trying time. We're almost certainly going to war, and I'm going to need the best people in the best seats. And I don't care what people say, the perception, or if it makes me look weak, or if it makes me feel awkward because I'm bringing my rivals close to me. Um, He put all that aside and said, I need you on my cabinet. 
a great book on this whole scenario and the trajectory of his presidency and the cabinet members. Go get the book Team of Rivals, Team of Rivals by Doris Kearns Goodwin. And this gives you the backstory of all of these candidates. And it also takes you through the trajectory of all of these three men and who at the beginning were very dismissive of Lincoln, thought they were going to manipulate him and use him and move him around the chessboard as a pawn. And by the end, when he was assassinated and he was killed, they were heartbroken and they had lost a, a dear friend and a brother in arms. And they had come to love him, be extremely loyal to him, and also appreciate him as a leader. And they understood at that point, oh, this was a generational leader. This was a once-in-a-lifetime thing, and he came at the right time when the country desperately needed his type of leadership. And there's this great famous line that when everyone is crowded around Lincoln, who is dying from his wounds, and then the doctor has done everything he can, but the doctor finally says, you know, he's not with us anymore. I believe it was Stanton who whispered, now he belongs to the ages. And so they understood. They understood that he was going to take a place in history. Okay, so that's the first trait. On to the second one. The second one is Lincoln was humorous. He was known for his sense of humor. He was quick to tell a joke, and he was a famous storyteller, famous for his anecdotes and little parables here and there. And it served him very well in his profession, so as a lawyer at first, and then also as a politician and president. He was just known for reveling and telling a good joke. And people who were with him, kind of in his entourage or on his team, who would follow him around, um, would, would often note in their letters and in their diaries, oh, he tells the same joke over and over and over again in different settings throughout the day. But he loves to tell a joke and he loves to make people smile. Lincoln was also self-deprecating. He could and would make fun of himself all the time. One of the things that was obvious to make fun of was his stature. So he was 6'4", and at the time that was very, very unusual. And he had kind of this like towering awkward height with these gangly, lanking limbs. And it's described that when he would walk down the street, it wouldn't be heel-toe, heel-toe, a smooth walking motion. He would kind of plop his foot down and plod his foot down in a very unelegant manner. And some of the, the papers had, <laughs> had fun talking about him, so they would refer to his legendary homeliness, or if they were trying to be generous, they would say his distinct facial features and go that route. But he knew it, and uh, during a debate, one of his opponents accused Lincoln of being two-faced on an issue. And Lincoln calmly replied, I'll leave it to my audience. If I had two faces, would I be wearing this one? So, so he was self-deprecating and would make fun of himself all the time. His humor was also helpful in socially awkward conversations. So I'll read this one excerpt because it's kind of funny. Uh, particularly memorable were his words to a young woman whose deep interest in a hospitalized soldier led her to press the question, where were you wounded? The infantrymen, who had been shot through the testicles, repeatedly deflected her inquiry with the answer, at Antietam. After she asked the president to assist her, Lincoln privately talked with a soldier and then took the young woman's hand in his own, explaining, my dear girl, the ball that hit him would have missed you. <laughs> so he was funny, he was quick-witted, and he was just this clever conversationalist. So an appreciation for Lincoln's sense of humor is something we can take away. And it's especially impressive if you think about 
the environment he was in and the events of the day. He was dealing with extremely difficult situations all around him. A war threatening to tear the nation apart, literally, and then actually tearing the nation apart. And he relied on his humor to ease his own burdens. And he also relied on his humor to ease the burdens of the, of the people around him. One great scene I have in my mind is when he was sitting around the table with his cabinet members and uh, they were all dark and gloomy and depressed and things were going not going well with the war. And he said, gentlemen, why don't you laugh with this fearful strain that is upon us night and day? If I do not laugh, I should die. And you need some medicine as much as I do. And that's particularly telling because the meeting they were in was the meeting to draft the Emancipation Proclamation, one of the most important documents in American history. So I often think about Emily when I'm taking things very seriously and when I'm like, this is the worst thing ever, and I have to be serious, and I'm, I'm bringing myself down and bringing other people around with me. I'm like, okay, hold on. Let me take a step back. Let me take a breath. If Abraham Lincoln, in the middle of a civil war, and he's drafting the Emancipation Proclamation, can bring some levity and bring some lightheartedness to the situation and help buck people up, I can too. And we all can too. So good thing to, to remember, Lincoln and his humor. All right, third trait. Lincoln was a powerful writer and orator. So in that day and age, those were kind of the two important mediums or channels of communication because you would write articles in the newspaper or position papers about where you stood on issues. And then you would go out and talk to the people over and over and over again, similar to how politicians do now, except for they didn't have TV and social media and all the rest. But he had built this skill set up from a young age. So when Lincoln was a boy, he only had two books. Books were very rare in those days. But he had Aesop's Fables and the Bible. And he would read these two books over and over and over again. So the pages would be worn and he would read his favorite passages over and over. And through this, he learned the power of words. And he learned how to make words lyrical and almost musical like a poem. And this certainly came through and served him very well later in his life and later in his career. So he has some of these very famous uh, works. So one of them is his first inaugural address. And he's essentially pleading with the nation, please, please don't go to civil war. You know, we're on the brink of it. And he did a last attempt to try to pull people back. Um, there's this famous, I'll read a very short excerpt, but it has some of the famous lines you might recognize. So this is the one that goes, we are not enemies, but friends. We must not be enemies. Though passion may have strained, it must not break our bonds of affection. The mystic cords of memory, stretching from every battlefield and patriot grave, to every living heart and hearthstone all over this broad land, will yet swell the chorus of the nation, when again touched, as surely they will be, by the better angels of our nature. Oh, beautiful, beautiful stuff. He also gave the Gettysburg Address. So very famous. People memorize this in school and, and talk about it. And this was a speech dedicating the cemetery at Gettysburg. So all the people who had died in the Battle of Gettysburg. And he was trying to convey what they had died for. And this is, I'll just read the opening line, but it's the famous one that goes, four score and seven years ago, our fathers brought forth on this continent a new nation conceived in liberty and dedicated to the proposition that all men are created equal. And a fun fact about the Gettysburg Address. So normally, back in those days, people would speak for hours and hours and hours when they would 
gather a crowd and a crowd would come to see them, they would speak for half a day. And Lincoln's speech, Lincoln's Gettysburg Address, was two minutes long. It was extremely short. And if you look for a picture of Lincoln speaking at the cemetery, you'll find one, but it's very far away. And that's because the photographer thought he had a whole bunch of time. He thought he had hours to get different shots at different ranges, and he didn't. So he got the far away shot, and then Lincoln was done. And he was like, oh, no. So if you look for a photograph, you can still see it. One more example is this letter that Lincoln wrote to a Mrs. Bixby. And Mrs. Bixby was a mother who had lost five sons in the war. Lincoln learned from his war department that she was going to get all five letters, letting her know that her five boys had died. And he was compelled to write her a letter. And so let me read this. It's pretty short, but it's just, what can you say? What can you say to a person in this situation? So Lincoln's attempt goes like this. Dear Madam, I have been shown in the files of the War Department a statement of the Adjutant General of Massachusetts that you are the mother of five sons who have died gloriously on the field of battle. I feel how weak and fruitless must be any word of mine which should attempt to beguile you from the grief of a loss so overwhelming. But I cannot refrain from tendering you the consolation that may be found in the thanks of the Republic they have died to save. I pray that our Heavenly Father may assuage you of the anguish of your bereavement and leave you only with the cherished memory of the loved and lost, and the solemn pride that must be yours to have laid so costly a sacrifice upon the altar of freedom. Yours very sincerely and respectfully, A. Lincoln. So his ability to convey ideas and sentiments on a sweeping scale for the nation, and also in a very personal level, is one of the hallmarks of Lincoln's leadership, in my opinion, and a hallmark of all great leaders. Okay, number four, the fourth trait, is Lincoln's empathy. So he was known for his empathy. He had this innate ability to put himself in another person's shoes. And it also extended to animals, so he could put himself in animal shoes if they wore shoes. And there's this famous story where one day Lincoln was on his way to Congress in a carriage, and he saw a helpless pig stuck in the mud off the side of the road. And he kept going, and he thought about this, and he couldn't stop thinking about this, and what it would be like to be that pig stuck in the mud and no one's helping him. And he felt so much pity for the animal And he made the driver stop, like, stop, stop, stop. We have to go back. We have to go back. And he jumped out and he decided to help the pig himself. And he got in the mud and he got his clothes all dirty and he got the pig out. And he went back in the carriage and he went on his way. But he couldn't leave. He couldn't leave the pig pig there because he just had so much, uh, so much empathy and so much of a soft spot for things like that. So another one of Lincoln's greatest leadership skills is his ability to understand other people's motivations and desires. And he was known to be very calm and very slow moving and very considerate, patient, and intentional about what he was doing and about what was going on around him. And so he could really take in a a situation and a scenario and say, okay, here's how this person might feel and therefore might approach the situation. Here's what they're looking to get, and here's what they might be scared of, and I'm going to go through the exercise of putting myself in other people's shoes in order to best understand the situation. 
He also was acutely aware of his effect on other people. So he knew he was the president. And so his words had a lot of weight uh, and significance to them. And so much so that when people would write him uh, an angry letter or be very critical of him in something they said, maybe he would hear it through the grapevine, he would write a letter back and he would kind of in that initial wave of emotion, he would say, okay, if you're going to say that, then I'm going to say this back and write out everything that's on my mind. And then he would put the letter in an envelope and he would put the envelope in a drawer and he would sleep on it and he would wait a night. And the next day he would go to his desk and he would pull open the drawer, pull out the letter and read it. And if he still wanted to send it, he would. But if he was like, no, 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 this is, I, this is too much. This is too strong. This is not becoming of the president or this is not actually what I meant to say or this could throw someone in a tailspin, he would put the letter back in the drawer and leave it there. And years ago, historians went through his desk and went through his drawers and they found a stack of letters, so dozens and dozens of these letters. And it said, never signed, never sealed. And so he had a drawer of these what were called the Lincoln letters, and he would have a drawer of these. So if we were to take away something from that, it might be, in our day and age, it might be like a Lincoln email or a Lincoln text where it's like, let's just wait a beat and figure out if we really want to send this and what effect it's going to have on the other person. Okay, fifth and final trait that made Abraham Lincoln great. Abraham Lincoln was a visionary. So he had a clear vision of where he wanted the country to go and where he thought it could go. And with literally, he had the fate of the nation on his shoulders. People didn't know who was going to win the war. People didn't know who was going to be in power afterward or how things would shake out. And yet he had this clear vision of what he wanted to do and also what needed to happen in order for that vision to be realized. So in his case, he said, my vision is to preserve the union. I want to keep the country intact and I want to keep the people together. And in order to do that, I need to win the war. So all of the decisions were aligned to winning the war and in service of preserving the Union. He also had a clear vision of how he wanted the Southern states to be treated as they were brought back into the fold. And he wanted them welcomed back as long-lost brothers and not treated harshly. First of all, this was in the face of uh, prevailing opinion or a lot of people's attitude in the North. Some people on his cabinet, Stanton in particular, wanted him to punish the South and wanted him to put very stringent laws and take away people's property and take away their rights and have these different things in place so they could never do this again. And Lincoln said no. Lincoln said, I want them to take a pledge of loyalty and they have to free their slaves. And other than that, they could keep the property and they can keep the, the businesses and industries they had before the war. And that was considered extremely lenient, extremely lenient at the time. And he did this because he had a clear vision of what he wanted and where he wanted to go and where he wanted to take the people. So for us today, a takeaway for this one might be, do we have a vision for the things that we're working on? Do we have a vision that's just outside of the reach of what's, what is reality? And people can't see it yet, but you can see how it should and could go. And then do you share that with people? Are you letting people know and letting people in on your vision and letting them add to it and get buy-in and all these different things? So do you have a vision? So Lincoln had this, this great sense of vision, and it served him and the country very, very well. Okay, so those were the top five leadership qualities or traits of Abraham Lincoln. 
So a takeaway for you might be which one of these traits or which elements of, of a few of them do you want to incorporate into your leadership? And do you want to incorporate into the projects you're working on and the teams that you're working with? So have a think about that and uh, incorporate that this week. All right. Thank you so much. I will catch you next week on Leveraging Leadership. This episode is brought to you by Next Level Coaching. If you or anyone you know would like to learn more about executive leadership coaching, please visit www.nextlevel.coach.